you know what? Let's go. Let's go around the table. Everybody is at my stream, so I'm going to assume you know who I am. But I'm a Rocket League caster in OCE, uh, who does Rocket League casting events, commentary, etc. Sometimes coaching, analysis, whatever around the world. Uh, Amphis, introduce yourself. Yeah. Mate. Um, I'm Amphis. Um, <laughs> yeah. For goodness me. I play Rocket League. It's a very good game. You should play it sometimes because it's free. Um, yeah, wow. we play for Ground Zero and we win a lot. Inspired. Weekend as well. yeah. So they won the major, Ground Zero, yeah. who is his team. He got carried by Torsos and, and Express. Oi. Oh. Come on, man. Uh, and next up, Daniel. Yeah, so I, um, I'm a clinical psychologist by trade. I got into esports probably about three years ago and um, I'm doing esports sleep and performance research and also working with a couple teams um, as well. So Ground Zero being the, being the main one, but also working with some players um, in, in League and Fortnite and, uh, and Counter-Strike as well. But yeah, uh, Rocket League is, is a bit of a passion uh, for me these days, actually. Excellent. And Jimmer? Yeah, look, uh, I'm Jimmer. Uh, I guess, you know, not a psych by trade, but I'm a school teacher by trade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, new to um, new to the esports scene, but been uh, you know professional coach for the good part of a year now. So, yeah, I, I've you know I started with Canberra Havoc, moved to Fury, finally where I am now in GZ, and yeah, awesome. So great background on intelligent minds. Uh, I did want to point out that somebody in chat, Fernando, said that it looks like you've been busy, Amphis, on Valentine's Day with your seventeen girlfriends. <laughs> is this yeah, true? Yeah, it is. At least you didn't have to go to <laughs> school today. Way back. Yeah, I know, but I was doing schoolwork all day. <laughs> I made a bridge, yummy. I made a bridge. Oh, is it one of those ones where you yeah, like load it up and whoever yeah. has the heaviest? Yeah, yeah beautiful. Clean. I did one of those ones and failed spectacularly because I did a triple truss, and it was just What's that. So instead of doing like two sides of the bridge i put like one down the middle as well Ooh. so oh we're not allowed to do that oh uh, in theory it would have been good but but you uh, messed up you you, you have to have you'd have to have all three like very precise they're the same oh. exactly uh so uh, otherwise it, it causes a lot more stress anyway uh talking of bridges i feel like building a rocket league <laughs> team much mm-hmm. like a bridge there's a lot of engineering behind it you the ground zero team have been champions uh, from the major, I was going to have a video and, uh, and then I forgot I had to do casting instead. So sorry guys, no video for no. last week's major, but came home with $10,000 and the points. And, uh, I want to go straight to you, Daniel, mm. because you're the least involved with the team in that, you know, uh, Jimmer is directly the coach and Amphis is playing the video game. So what are your thoughts when you're watching Ground Zero and they're playing well? What are my thoughts in, in, in what sort of respect? Yeah, oi, how do you how do you watch the streams? Do you sit back and relax and just cheer for them? Or are you like actually looking going, oh, is Amphis, is Amphis having a bad day today? <laughs> like you actually looking deep into it? You know, I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm trying to enjoy the game because I, I suppose ever since I got into to Rocket League, I mean, I never yeah. used to uh, play Rocket League prior to working with Ground Zero at the start of uh, 2020. Um, so it's something I've, I've really got into and I really enjoy. I think it's a great spectator esport, to be honest. I think mm-hmm. it's one of the best out there. 
So I, I try and enjoy it as much as I can just in terms of watching the play and sort of knowing the players around the around the scene as well makes it much more enjoyable, I think, when you have like a you know, connection to people. Um, but I'm also pretty tense and I'm also analysing the boys or trying to analyse the boys anyway to kind of, I suppose, see how um, you know, the stuff that we work on behind the scenes is being reflected in their in their gameplay. Um, so there's there's a lot, I suppose, I'm trying to do all at once, yeah. I mean, I can, I can empathise with that because I always watch and I'm like, criticizing players casters production everything all at the same time and realistically i'd love to to sit back and watch uh jimmy you had a successful weekend this weekend um what was your involvement uh in terms of like our like like the actual (laughs) thanks no i mean there's, there's, there's a lot of things you know to um to look back on i think it's like for how we went and how I went specifically, it was all about sort of getting back into form. So, mm-hmm. for example, for those who are maybe a bit more familiar with the OCE scene, um, the holiday period does take its toll in terms of like how teams sort of get back up and running and and getting all prepared. And it felt like um, you know while we're all mentally wanting to just continue the you know the the momentum that we created in the last um, few events, it didn't quite happen that way. So I really did feel like. We're trying to just gather as much momentum as we can and just hit the major as hard as we can. And um, I felt like, you know, all the planets aligned for us and it felt like everything that we did sort of finally triangulated on the peak of, yep, we're going to win Sunday. Yeah. And uh, uh, one question for Amphis, because this one I, I haven't talked to you about. Losing the first bracket reset against what is now Riot Gaming Invisible Ninja... How are you guys feeling mentally? Like, are you, were, you, were you down after that, or did that light the fire? Uh, I don't think it lit the fire. I just <laughs> thought we we dismissed it really quick because we just thought, oh, it's a warm-up. We had, like, an hour break before that. And then at the back of my head, I always had, um, I think Jules said in Twitch chat before, it's, like, a common thing for, like, the losing bracket team to, like, come up and win the first series and mm-hmm. then lose the second one. That's all I was thinking. So Jules won it for us still. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 he paved the way for Torsos to be yeah. on the team. Yeah. He paved the way He's for Cringe a, Society yeah. to have some troubles He's as well. He basically assisted these three yeah. wins. So he never really left ground zero, is what you're saying? No, he did. He did. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still salty about that? No, we're, no. we're the best now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy. You're the best? How do you stay on top, though? Uh... Keep playing the game more than other people. Okay, cool. That's a that's a good uh. intro into our, our first topic. So you're the champions, but what I want to talk today a lot about is the stuff that happens off the pitch. The stuff that's mentality-wise that are preparing for you on the day and, and whatnot. And since I was just talking to you, Amphis, I will continue on with that point. What is it that helps you stay motivated to stay on the top? I know there's been multiple teams in the past, and the only team that's really stayed on the top for a long time was Chiefs. Uh, they always get complacent at some point and lose motivation or maybe practice a little bit less or stop playing ranked. So what is it that you do or you at least plan on doing to always stay on top? Um, For me personally, it's just I want to go to a land. I want to see everyone in the land. I just want to go somewhere with everyone. <laughs> uh, I feel like Worlds is probably going to be the first place where that is. And I just want to go to Worlds and then 
try and perform. So there's still like a, a huge just motivating goal right now uh, yeah. in front of you. Yeah, um, but after after one. after five worlds, is that still going to be the case? Do you think? Um, yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully. We'll make sure it is. Yeah. <laughs> and money, money's always pretty good. Uh, I like winning money. Yeah, well. it's really funny, Yummy. We actually this is this is something we've been talking about increasingly in our in our sessions that we sort of mm -hmm. do weekly, and we actually we've got a, a guy that comes in, he's um ex special forces, and. <laughs> We we talked about this kind of idea with him. Like, you know, how do you how do you maintain the motivation and that sort of that winning edge um, that you know you've been working so hard to get um, you know over a period of time? And it's it's hard, you know. And I think you know the regional that we uh, we lost, you know, when we got knocked, I think it was reverse swept by our ninjas. That really that really hurt, you know, the boys. And um, I actually think that came along at a really good time for us. I think we. We use that as a platform to kind of try and learn about, you know, what do we actually, you know, that complacency when it does creep in. And it can be very insidious and it can creep in um, unknowingly sometimes. Um, you know, what do you do about that? How do you respond to that? So that's something that we've, we've actually spent a fair bit of time talking about. I think that makes sense. I, I've seen a lot of teams go by and even even I, mm. I did coach the Chiefs for a while when they were a long time on top and had the same thing. You know, you'd lose one series and be like, oh, we're not the best of the best of the best. We're not undefeatable. And that gives you a lot of motivation. But I've also seen those teams kind of have insidious kind of issues where you don't actually know what the problem is until it strikes. You know, you don't reckon, you, you feel like you can be on top doing what you're doing because of course it's already working. But then three months down the line, that's when it falls apart and it falls apart huge. And Jimmo, you're the probably the one that has to spend the most time, I guess, thinking about this for the the players. Is there anything you do to kind of look at, uh, I guess, motivating them to play more ranked or uh, anything on the pitch to try and find those issues? Yeah, definitely. I mean, initially, I remember um, when uh, Tors first joined, like a lot of the issues we could sort of like, yeah, sure, we have like, you know, X, Y, and Z that were problems. But at the end of the day, when we kind of looked at it, it's just like, hey, we're just not reading each other that well. Mm -hmm. And that was like early days. And I remember I just put it forward to the boys like, hey, like, would it be fine to just queue up some twos here and there? Just get some team cohesion, get some synergy happening. And, um, you know, and, and that was one thing, right? But in terms of the motivation side of things, I think for me, initially, I was quite concerned about um, burnout. Mm -hmm. So I remember like, while, while I never directly brought it up, it was always sort of like, well, I just sort of gauged, you know, how we're sort of tracking along during the holiday period because everyone wants to, you know, move away from the computer. Like I know Express went away, you know, he had a good time in the lake and <laughs> Amphis took some time to himself and it, everyone sort of found their own way. So as we sort of picked up the pieces and just sort of, you know, incidentally put it all together, uh, for me it was like, well, let's just, you know, find ways not to have that burnout and I remember you know I was always very receptive if a player was like you know what I feel like I can't hack the second hour of a scrim like you know can we call it short or you know what I just need that one day off and I remember just being like you know what like it's so much better to be like yep just have your space gradually move into it rather than just be like no like let's step it up where we're not out of the woods yet worlds is still right there we got to go for it so it was a bit of a balancing act and I felt like as you know as Dan said before Losing to Canberra Havoc was just that extra kick in the bottom to sort of be like, you know what, let's get things really into gear now as well. Excellent. And 
I guess there have been other teams around the scene. <clears throat> Renegades are a brilliant example right now, but are other teams not performing to the standard? I don't think it's just that Riot Gaming has picked itself up, but other teams are falling to the wayside. Uh, and I'm going to go to both Amphis and Daniel and let you decide who can talk first on this. What are your takes? I, I think we'll go to Amphis first. What are your? Because you're going to be very game focused. What are your takes on like the downfall of Renegades and other teams and, and the reasoning for that stuff? Um, I don't know. I've always thought, probably back to when we had jewels, Renegades have always stayed at the same level, roughly. They haven't really got worse or haven't got better. And then now that since we've been getting better, I think Cringe has been the best that they've been for a very long time as well now. So they just keep on starting to drop, and then obviously we have Riot now. And they just <coughs> never really got to improving, so they just got forced to make the change, obviously. Excellent. And Daniel, do you have any insight into into those kind of things where people just, I don't know, end up falling down from where they were? Yeah, you know, I, I kind of wonder a little bit. Uh, and I mean, I can't comment on particular teams because I don't mm. know the inner workings of those teams, but I'm just speculating when I say this. But I do wonder about like um, uh, like the interpersonal style of the team, you know, team cohesion, you know, how they work as a unit, that sort of thing. I mean, that's something that we we focus on so, so much. Um, you know, we really do try and, and you know, Jimmer and I and, and Bo, uh, the, the team owner, really, really try and work really hard to create a culture where people um, uh, can feel comfortable, you know, bringing up anything. You know, we call it respectful honesty, where you can say anything you like to another, to a teammate or to myself or to, or to Jimmer or whatever, um, as long as it's said in the right way, you know, and we can have a conversation about it. And I think, and I just wonder whether or not, you know, over time without... Um, some team is maybe putting a focus on that, whether or not, you know, interpersonal kind of fractures might arise sometimes mm -hmm. in teams when things start to go wrong. And and I think, you know, Jim and I um, put so much effort into trying to keep our finger on the pulse with this stuff. And I genuinely think the boys get along exceptionally well. Um, uh, and that was the case as well, you know, in, in season nine um, when Decker and Jules and, Ex and Express were playing, I think we had the same thing. And I think each time that we've had a roster change, we've been able to maintain that when Ampers came through and then when Tours came through. Um, you know, like we worked so hard. Um, like when Ampers first came in and then when Tours came in, you know, we, we actually have conversations about, you know, like how do we how do we incorporate the new player into the team as effectively as possible? Mm -hmm. You know, how do we make them feel welcome? How do we support them? Um, how do we make them feel valued? How do we hear them? And then we, then we ask them, you know, what would make that transition better for you? So <laughs> that's just me speculating. But uh -huh. um, I wonder a little bit if that might play a, play a part in some of the some of the things that we kind of see around OCE when when teams kind of fall apart a little bit. I do. I do think that might be the case. I was actually speaking with Jimmer the other day about, I guess, motivation of teams and Renegades have been together for an awful long time. Mm. Uh, there's other teams around who I just feel aren't like slamming on gr uh, grinding ranked. And I think a lot of that comes from just either staleness of being with the same people or, yeah. you know, again, over time, certain conflicts happen. They never get really resolved and they fester yeah, yeah. And, and sort of drive motivation down that way. Uh, um, I, I guess, Jimmer, as well, what, what were your thoughts in terms of the motivation of these other teams and, and, and the amount that they're playing ranked and grinding and, and whether that catches up on you? Yeah, it's it's a real hard one to say because, you know, I've been around a few teams now and something that I've learned is that so many top players, you know, like when you when you really 
talk to them long enough. They'll just be, you know what, I do want to be on a top team. I do want to be a winner. Like, I play this game because I want to, you know, make a, make something out of what I'm doing. I mean, you know, there are obviously some players that are quite, you know, complacent. Like, you know what, if I make top eight, I'm happy. But usually when you start talking to teams in the top four, it's like they've got this desire to be number one. Mm-hmm. And so there's always like that level of motivation that I'm like, you know what, it can kind of come and go in waves, but it surely would be enough to, you know, toe the line. My big criticism and my big concern, and obviously like, you know, just just to cover this one, I, I got no insight on the inner workings of other teams, but I, I do feel like, you know, even, even us as GZ, like we can always be at risk of, you know, motivation or desire to sort of fall, but it's like, what kind of social networks do we make to support that, right? And I and I sometimes wonder, mm. like, well, do other teams have those resources? Like, I mean, you know, Renegades were sort of left to their own devices for majority of the time. Like, obviously, they got you to talk to. They had Lawler in for a little bit. But for the most part, um, you know, it, it was them on their own devices. And I, and I wonder, like, when you kind of get in, I guess, an echo chamber of ideas, how much room does that give you to grow? And I and I and I wonder, you know, how much that plays into a team's longevity. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'd have yeah. to directly talk to them to find out. But I feel like, you know, you can sort of get caught hearing your own thoughts and your teammates' thoughts, and yeah, it, it, you sort of begin to, as Anthony say, I think you actually do hit a point where you plateau, and uh, and then really, it's it's much easier to decline than it is to improve when you're in a plateau for sure. I do think Michelle, who is pocket psych in chat, another another psych who works in esports in yeah. in Australia, had a good point in terms of you know just having fun. Uh, I guess as soon as relationships can fall apart, that also is a major factor. If you're not having fun, you know that's another major point that uh, like you don't have to have motivation if you're just enjoying yourselves. You're just playing a game yeah. at that point. That is one of our team values, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, it's good. Yes, yes, yeah. I have them memorized. Good boy. Yeah. Well, uh, let's get into the meat of potatoes, though. And this is a subject that has been on my mind a lot for obvious reasons. So I've been complaining, as you guys know, you know, whinging, whining, being upset. Whenever anybody asks me how I am, I'll be like, I'm tired. Uh, And Daniel was watching my stream one day and noticed, and he reached out to me. And I've been seeing Daniel, who is, as I said, or as he said, a sleep psychologist, about how to sleep. And so this has been a major factor for me. uh, And it also becomes more of a focusing factor in my analysis on a day-to-day basis in the way I look at teams going around. It always was a factor that I always thought that to be a professional, you should probably go to sleep at a time that would allow you to wake up for a tournament you know, well-rested. But now it is such a motivation for me. I wanted to talk to Daniel for this. How important, Daniel, is it that these players who are often staying up till 4 a.m. at night with a tournament at 10 a.m. the next day get some good sleep? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's critical, right? So this is um, this is the focus of my, my PhD that I'm doing at the moment. So this is what my research is all, all about. I've been a sleep psychologist for about um, seven years now anyway, just working clinically in, in um, assessing and treating sleep disorders just in the general population. But, uh, I mean, you know, eSports is a, is, a, is a cognitive game, right? So, you know, it's all about your mental performance. Um, and the research is just crystal clear on this point. Sleep is just critical for uh, your cognitive performance. 
um, which means it's critical for your esports performance. So uh, this is how I actually originally got involved with GZ. So when I uh, started doing my PhD, I reached out to quite a few different teams in, in Australia and, uh, and GZ was the first one to get back to me and sort of say, yep, we're pretty keen to kind of jump on board this. And, and sort of, I suppose, look at our players' sleep. So that was with uh, with Billy and uh, and Express. Um, uh, sorry, so Billy and, and Jules and Decker back in 2019. Uh, and um, well, where do we go from here? Yummy. Well, what else? Should, where? Which direction? Should well, we take what's, what's there's the? There's so many. There's so many avenues we could take. What's the difference honest. between them staying up till 4 a.m. every day of the week and then hoping mm-hmm. to perform on Saturday and Sunday? Or them, you know, going to sleep at 11 p.m. every day and then yeah. waking up at 7 a.m. for that 10 a.m. day. What's the difference in performance? What it, well, how does the brain work yeah. differently? So I'll tell you one study, and this is a landmark study uh, that was done in 2003. So what they found was that um, two weeks of six hours of sleep per night was the same, had the same cognitive deficits as two days of complete sleep deprivation. So just like, you know, let that sink in for a bit. So six <laughs> hours a night is the same as two days of no sleep. That's the same cognitive yeah. performance, right? I couldn't go um, one and, day with no sleep, so. <laughs> yeah, to- totally. Yeah. But, you know, some. I, I mean, I talk to players around the place that do. I mean, I'm working with a with a Counter-Strike player from the US uh, and they certainly have had like t- 24 hours of complete sleep deprivation. The other thing that you mentioned, you know, Yami, which I think is really important, is the timing of sleep. Mm-hmm. So this is this is something that you know we we literally a week before every kind of major or region or whatever it is, we actually get the boys retiming their sleep pattern, right? So if you've got someone who, um, you know, typically goes to sleep like let's say three o'clock in the morning, uh, and then they need to wake up, I don't know, nine o'clock in the morning for for a tournament at eleven or something like that. So two things are going to happen. One is that you're going to miss out on sleep, so you're going to have acute sleep loss, right? You won't get enough sleep. Um, which which instantly starts to impact your cognitive performance. And the other one, and I mean, you and I have talked about this, the timing of your sleep, right? So your body clock has an impact on performance. So there are going to be certain times of the day when you feel more or less sleepy. Um, and a lot of players, and this is something Amphis and I have focused on extensively. Amphis has probably been one of my toughest, <laughs> toughest, <laughs> toughest clients. Um, Still is. Players to wear. still is, yeah. He remains yeah. so, yeah. He's he's quite stubborn. <laughs> but um, you know, if you if you need to play at nine, but you're typically waking up at eleven, and then you wake up mm-hmm. uh, two hours earlier or three hours earlier, you're literally going to be starting off the day at what we call your core temperature minimum, right? Um, which is the lowest point biologically during the during the entire twenty four hour period. So uh, people just will not perform at their best. Um, you just you can't like biologically speaking, you're you're sort of I suppose predisposed to performing poorly. Is, um, is so there's there multiple like different a, effects. Is there like what what is like the regular effect that happens if I was if I was to compare you know one day where I played at 10 a.m. but I woke up normally at midday and another day where I'd only just woken up and got to play? How would mm. I expect that would affect my performance? So, I mean, multiple different effects. Probably the two key ones that come to mind straight away would be processing speed, like so your ability to process information quickly and accurately, um, and which obviously then leads for, which uh, leads on to your attention, like your ability to sustain your attention um, and selectively attend to, to things in your environment, um, which then has an impact on, on reaction speed and things like that. Um, memory can be worse. Um, you know, your ability, like tactical awareness can be, can be worse as well. People tend to... Um, maintain strategies for longer that are being ineffective rather than being adaptive to, to things that are going on in game. 
So multiple, multiple different effects. Um, it just depends how sleep deprived you actually are. Um, yeah. So some people are obviously far more sleep deprived than others. Yeah. Well, to me, I feel like if you're a professional player and your job is essentially to win and to go to Worlds, you have to win. You want to get every advantage possible. And Amphis, since you're the one who uh, showed up late one time for a literal tournament on a regional <laughs> event, I think in in the fall split, how much has Daniel helped, do you feel, in terms of your performance? <laughs> or are you still stubborn about staying up late, sleeping late? No, it definitely does help a lot. I just like TikTok. <laughs> TikTok's a very good app, yummy, and you should get it. Uh-huh. And it's very addictive, and I watch it a lot at night. But... Um, no, I always knew that it was important because back when we had the like 9am games when it was league play mm -hmm. ages ago, I had school, so I my like sleep was good accidentally. Yeah, Amphis does better much better. Else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Amphis does much better during the school term than he does during holidays. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's why we won the major because that was my first week back at school. <laughs> so first week being normal. The, the school the school acts as an anchor for him, which is really, really yeah. helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's, you know, bad. The um, I've spoken to quite a few. Like I've sort of talked to different teams, yummy. So like I've spoken to like the Mind Freak Boys, for example, mm -hmm. um, some of the Die Wolves lads as well, um, and uh, most of them have like all of them, all of the people that I've, I've spoken to have actually been really receptive to the idea of trying to actually improve their sleep. Like they, you know, they've shown a genuine interest in, um, in in kind of learning more about it and what they can sort of do to improve improve their sleep, mm -hmm. which I think is fantastic. Um, so, you know, it's just about trying to spread the word, really. I think this is, you know, it's a good professional habit to get into. And I think, you know, the overall, the better for OCE when, you know, you've got a whole region who kind of takes, you know, something that does have an effect on your performance, mm -hmm. like, you know, seriously and prioritise it. Have you, did you check out Dr. K after our last uh, chat? No, I haven't. No, I haven't yet. No. Uh, you should, you should do a stream one day where you teach people like how to fix their sleep schedules and and stuff like that just in a very general way because i mm. think i think a lot of people kind of know that they should sleep early but the general yeah. strategy is like i'm just going to pull an all-nighter and be so mm. exhausted that the next day i do it and like i don't think you should do that stream that's a bad idea <laughs> people will listen deck will be listening well, Decker, no, Decker's good Decker's with his sleep. I mean, we, it, yeah. I spoke to Decker just the other night and he was saying that, you know, he's still doing everything we talked about. Like, you know, a week before tournaments, you know, he gets his sleep in order, which is fantastic. I'm so happy yeah. that, you know, like he's remembered that stuff and he still does. I think that's great. Yeah, just out of curiosity, Yummy, like what was, um, what were the biggest challenges you found, I suppose, in terms of, I suppose, the process that we went through um, trying to improve your sleep? Uh, well, for me, I was already so exhausted because I was kind of on that six hours sleep a night, voluntar mm. like, not voluntarily, like involuntarily uh, every single night and was struggling enough already. So during that time, it kind of stuck me at also being at six hours a night every single night because I was always sleeping a little bit earlier mm. every day. Um, and I think the biggest thing I struggled with uh, uh, it is like just being able to get the right tune in at the end of the day mm. because you always have this like, or me, I'm very habitual 
And so at the end of the night, maybe before at like 11 p.m., I'd turn off the lights. I'd have my last glass of water, that sort of stuff, and I'm going to bed at 2 a.m. But when you're changing that... All of a sudden, all your night schedule messes everything up. You end up on your phone watching TikTok till 2 a.m., uh, that kind of thing. And it, and it was that was the hard part. Getting up mm. early, you've got an alarm. You just suck it up and be a man and, and go do the things that you need to do, um, which, you know, for those out there, I had to go get an hour to two of sun every single morning as I reeled in my clock a quarter nice. of an hour to half an hour earlier every day. Uh, until it was at the right time. And uh, then maintaining that's it? also really hard. So. Yeah, it's the maintenance, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, see y- Yummy was um, much more compliant than you, Amphis. Mm. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> he didn't win the major, though, did he? <laughs> I kind of did. I was there on the major grand final. Yeah. So oh, yeah, true. That's my yeah. version of winning that's a major. A um, yeah. Jimmy, you have you noticed a lot of this? Are you getting more in-depth on the sleep stuff or... Even just outside performance stuff? Yeah, massively. I mean, that was something that I noticed uh, before my times uh, on GZ was just some of the sleep schedules of um, of professional players. And, and look, to be fair, like, you know, we all have some intuitions about our sleep. Like, we all know what it feels like to be, you know, sleep deprived and, and all that. And usually people, you know, they find their own habits with their sleep and, and whatever it is, right? But I think when we brought on Dan and we actually got some real professional intervention mm-hmm. and i think that a really good thing that that uh that dan did right is that he really like not that you have to sell science but sometimes it really pays to have like a target audience it's like hey you know your awareness you know like for for example uh dan did the classic comparison between blood alcohol level and your awareness right so if you're x amount sleep deprived you're you know, how your cognitive function is that of someone who's had X amount of standard drinks. And uh, I'd love for the next step to be like, you know what, if, you, if you're if you this sleep deprived, your input lag has been increased to this, whatever yeah. it is. And that would just get gamers like that. But, yeah. um, but it was really good though, because, um, you know, like Dan was quite clinical with it and, you know, and clinical in that, hey boys, every day, tell me how you're sleeping. When are you waking up? What are you doing? Did you wake up during the night? How long did you take you out of sleep? When did you turn the lights off? You know, and we just do like a little bit of a feed through like that. And it got to a point where I could tell there was a difference, um, Mm -hmm. you know, quite quickly. And even got to a point where like, you know, take Tuesday, Wednesday coming on by, even I'd be at the end of the tail end of scrims. All right, boys, let's really make sure, you know. Uh, Yeah, sometimes sometimes I'll even even do the guilt trip. I'll be like, hey, Dan's put a lot of time into us. Let's make sure we're doing it right. So just because you go on to bed (laughs) at 10 doesn't mean, you know, you're in a bed at 10. Put down the phone. Um, get some good sleep and I feel like um, when our sleep is is good just the whole even the team environment's better not just our gameplay but just how energetic we are um, enthusiastic we can be so I, I feel like it, it it not only enhances gameplay it almost just enhances your general well-being entirely so you know it was just an excellent thing to to double down on Excellent. I actually, I actually um, empathize as well with you on that whole. You know, I told them it was important to sleep because uh, obviously <laughs> I've talked with, I've, I've coached multiple teams, and I think mm. reciprocity, especially yeah. uh, when I was coaching them. You know, I talked to Farah and Chorset. It's even harder for them because their RLCS starts at like uh, often like as late as four PM kind of thing. 
So convincing them to get some proper sleep and being normal human (laughs) beings in some way is even more difficult. Um, But yeah, I guess I think now at least that I've talked with Daniel, I'm at least like equipped with some of the tools and knowledge to be able to at least convince people and tell them a little bit about sleep that I could probably do a better job of convincing now. Um, but- oh, that's that's great to hear. I mean, actually, that's yeah. fantastic because that's you know honestly that's one of the things that I hope that everyone walks away from. You know, like well, I think any psychologist would hope for this, right? Mm-hmm. Is where you know someone that you've worked with walks away and goes like, oh, I feel you know like I've got knowledge and skills that I didn't have before, and and maybe I can actually help to um, um, you know even help other people in, in some sort of way moving mm-hmm. forward. I think that's that's brilliant. Another one last question specifically about sleep uh, that. Um, that was raised in the chat. So before we move on, what is the best time to wake up for a 10 a.m. tournament? Best Seven. time to wake up? Yeah, Something I mean, like it, yeah. So we're like we're assuming that the, the like the event goes all day type of thing. As in, uh, like, um, well, let's assume it goes till 3 p.m. at the latest. Okay, no, 5 p.m. Yeah, at the latest. 5 p.m. at the latest. Yeah, at a 10 a.m. star. I mean, anywhere between probably seven and eight would be fine. Mm. Um, Maybe even slot, probably maybe closer to seven, maybe closer to seven, seven thirty. That would give you, and that, that's assuming that you're getting enough sleep, right? Like you're going to sleep appropriately um, the night before to get enough sleep. Yeah. Um, but but um, yeah, and like an appropriate wake up time would be like yeah, between seven and eight sometime. That would give you enough time to kind of warm up, wake up, sleep inertia drops off, um, your body clock starts to pick up for the day. Yeah. Um, one of the things you know, some people do that, like you know, they wake up like I said either later than the the start time usually. Um, or they wake up very close to to the start time, and both of those are, are quite unhelpful strategies. Um, so the other thing I would say is you really need to like kind of have good sleep, like leading up to the event, mm-hmm. not just yeah. not just the night before or the or the night before that, you know, or a couple of days. Like it really has to be like at least a solid week, I would say, before mm-hmm. before the event. That leading is quite important. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was my personal experience. Is that like when I've had the most yeah. energy, I had. Two weeks of solid sleep. That's how long it took me to again feel like a regular human being. And then a week later, I had an EU broadcast and that really <laughs> went all over again. So, yeah, that threw a spat in the works. Didn't yeah, it? Yeah. Hasn't got back to being good sleep again, but we're doing better. We're doing much better than we were before. Uh, mm. As a quick point as well, TK said that Amphis yawned, so it's bedtime. Uh, we've talked multiple times, but very specifically, there's, a, I guess, an ebb and flow of energy, right? Um, yeah, if so. you're waking at 7am, is there a time during the day, during that 10 to 5pm where you feel like you're going to have a lull in energy? Is there something you could do during those as well? Like caffeine or anything like that? Yeah. So between for the average person who wakes up, uh, or let's say goes to sleep around about, let's say 10, 30, 11 and wakes up about seven. Mm-hmm. So between about two and four o'clock in the afternoon, there's going to be what we call a post-lunch dip where you naturally feel more sleepy and less alert um, and your performance will be impacted during that time. So you, you can't help that, right? Like that just happens naturally. You can mitigate though. Um, and caffeine, caffeine is probably probably the most common, common strategy that people sort of typically use to kind of try and get through that, um, try to bridge that kind of lull as best they can. Um, if, I mean, if feasible, there's nothing wrong with a nap during that time, if you can actually find the time to do that, although you wouldn't want to do it too close to a, to an upcoming game. Either. So you need, you need to be careful in terms of what you actually do, but caffeine's probably the safest bet at that point. Yeah. And caffeine's fine, but you probably, is it, is it better to just wait till you're tired or do you do it? Oh, you'd probably do it a lead in. So for example, like if you, if you consistently wake up about 
seven, uh-huh. you know, and, and you knew that you typically feel, let's say, you know, sleepy at three, three p.m. and you had a game coming up at three p.m., you know, a, like a lead up would be like, let's say, you know, two thirty, um, maybe even like two o'clock. You might sort of have a dose of caffeine because it takes about half an hour to get into your bloodstream anyway. So to get that kick at the right time, you'd want to time the caffeine. But you don't want to have too much either because then it might harm your sleep (laughs) the next night or the upcoming night. And if it's a multi-day event and you're playing on the Sunday, um, you want to make sure, of course, you're not having too much either at that point. Is there a detriment to, say, having a coffee in the morning as well or a couple of coffees before even that? Oh, yummy. And And then going into it? Is there a detriment? Yeah, you know, what's better? Just like not drinking coffee all day or caffeine or whatever and then having it before that big lull? Or... I, I would try and target caffeine use um, rather than having like a blanket approach. I would, mm-hmm. I would try and make it targeted. Um, you just got to keep in mind that caffeine has a really long half-life, right? So it's about a five to seven half-life, five to seven hour half-life, I should say. So let's just say five hours after you've had a dose of caffeine, half of it is still in your system. So if you have four coffees across the day and your last one's at six o'clock. I mean, your caffeine could be like super high still by the time you actually get to bed. So you, you've got to be careful about not like over, overdosing, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I would I would sort of say trying to time it before games um, is probably your best bet. But it's the right dosage, the right timing. That's, that's the critical point. And it depends on the time of the game and stuff like that. Well, my half-life of coffee is like 15 hours, so I, if I have <laughs> yeah. any coffee, I don't sleep that night somehow. Super sensitive to it, yeah. yeah. Um, great. Well, that's. I think it's really important to sleep. I'm going to reiterate it many times, but if you're a competitor and you are literally not now taking the advice of Daniel to wake up at 7.30 a.m., on the weekend, you are literally not a real professional in my eyes and you shouldn't get paid a salary. <laughs> I totally right. agree. Yep. Yeah. Um, you got to take it seriously. I think there's there's yeah. a level of of disadvantages and, and advantages that people are getting right now that others mm. are not taking advantage of. Anyway. We, uh, actually, just, just one bit, you know, yummy, yeah, just on yeah, that yeah. point, right? Like, I mean, on that professionalism point, I mean, like, I totally agree. And we actually... We've actually talked about this, you know, like accountability to the rest of your team. Uh-huh. You know, so like if you've got two teammates who are doing the right thing and they're, they're trying to prioritize their sleep and you've got one team member who's not doing the right thing, you know, then, you know, in some way they're not being accountable to the rest of their team, right? Like they're not doing the best job they possibly can. It's like not rocking up to a scrim or something like yeah. that leading into a major, you know, you're just not doing the right thing by your team. So like I, I totally think that um, having that team accountability where it's like, you know, we're all in this together. Um, and we're all busting our guts here, so we all need to do the right thing in other areas, including sleep as well. Excellent. Uh, I'm fully on board for banning players for a month if they didn't sleep, uh, if, they, <laughs> if they slept past 7.30 on the, on the morning of a tournament. Uh, okay, so obviously you guys, final sort of topic uh, in terms of mentality and that sort of stuff is dealing with the pressure of high play. And I want to go straight to Amphis because... You actually came straight into the scene realistically, you played your first RLCS at the beginning of last year, and it never really felt like you got nervous. Uh, so you're not necessarily the best person to ask how to deal with pressure or anything like that, but do you get nervous on game day in big matches, anything like that? Um, no, not really. I don't know why, so, to be honest. Yeah. It's just you, like... you, you know what the trick is, Yummy? What? You know... You just need to be an overconfident seventeen-year-old, and that's the that's the. Oh solution, yeah, I really. forgot. Yeah. You just got to be twelve years old, and yeah. you don't care what's happening in life. It's not even conceivable emotion. <laughs> yeah, 
like nerves, what nerves? Yeah. yeah. I'm invincible. There's no possible way I could lose. I don't know. It's just weird, isn't it? Yeah. I think um, the way to cope with it would be if you do get nerves, um, get your teammates to help you, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, is there though, like, obviously I, I, I would ask any player and 90% of them would say I was not nervous, but they're clearly playing different. There's a pressure on the pitch. And do you feel any kind of pressure? Do you feel like you play slightly different in tournament than in scrims, that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I feel like it's just like when it means something, you just like want to play, maybe like trying to play too quick. Yeah, it's usually what people do, and then they miss the ball, and then they just start playing worse than what they usually do. So, how do you um, manage that, Jimmer? Right, like if if Amphis <laughs> is suddenly playing extra fast or not passing or whatever, yeah. he's done it a million times in scrims. How do you get him closer to that? Yeah, so um, sometimes I, it's really incidental. Um, this and and it is really hard because it, it does really. It takes a lot of self-awareness for this one. But so, for example, like, you know, there's a saying that, that I really follow and it's from a lot of the research that I've done on this. But basically, you know, perfect practice makes practice perfect. And what you want to do is you want to try to, you know, uh, basically play to you can to the match conditions. Obviously, that's not always the case on, on scrims, but you, you try to, right? And sometimes it's really good to just grab onto let's say like a defensive play you're doing. Mm -hmm. Now, it's very easy to get caught up on uh, so-and-so challenge, someone's on backboard, this guy's going back boost, you know, and like it's very easy to get caught up in the gameplay. But sometimes just paying attention just to the energy of the comms itself can make a difference. Mm -hmm. So, for example, in a scrim, they're usually quite calm because, you know, there's nothing really on the line other than, well, you got your scrim, right? And so let's say a team, you know, like I'll just give one example of a com, right? And the com might be you've got time or time on the ball, whatever it might be. You know, every, every, every team should have that com where it's like, you know, you've got time on the ball. Now, in a scrim, it's usually quite calm. You've got time, take your time, you can 50 that, you know, take it, whatever it is. And then on game day, you might find that the arousal, the excitement's quite high and all of a sudden the comm is nothing like what it was on scrims. It's now like, oh, time, time, you know, like they're shouting it, right? And yeah. the issue is that the intensity and the energy was so different that it created mm. unnecessary urgency in the play. So suddenly the player who's been screamed at that they have time, now, <laughs> oh, oh, you know, they hear the tone and they're like, you know what, I've got to pinch it across wherever I can and they give the ball away. And so sometimes, like for me, I'll be in, well, not, I'll, I'm always in comms on, um, on game day. Sometimes I'll just pick up that. It's like, hey, boys, let's just make sure we're doing X, Y, and Z. And just a reminder, sometimes, you know, most of the time I'll put it on there. Hey, boys, what do we think we're missing right now? Hey, you know what? I think we're not trusting this play enough. All right, well, what do we need to do? Well, you know, we need someone to actually start comming earlier, like what we normally do, whatever it might be. And so, you know, and even though it's not directly gameplay, you're adjusting the dials on, let's say, something that involves arousal. And that in turn impacts the gameplay, I think, astronomically. Just something as minute as that. Um, so, yes, that's sort of where, where my play into it all comes through when it comes to excitement, arousal, nerves, all, all of that stuff. What about values, Jimmy, like in the actionable behavior stuff that we do? Like, how do you think that fits into what you're saying? Oh, it's actually awesome. So, um, this is a huge thing. So, there's a reason why professional sporting clubs, like if you played footy or whatever it might be, usually your club's got some team values. Um, there's absolutely no reason why eSport teams shouldn't have them. So we, we, we've got our team values. And sometimes, you know, there might be a value that we have a hard time, you know, 
uh, replicating. And sometimes it's just a reminder of the boys like, hey, like, you know, are, are we actually exhibiting these uh, values right now? And the best thing, and this is, you know, it brings a tear to mine and Dan's eye, but the <laughs> other day I actually ticked off all three players. So Express, Taurus and Amphis all brought up, hey, like, let's stick to this value. All right, let's make sure we keep doing this. And it was just real cool because like just by mentioning the value, you're describing a concept that the whole team understands and knows. So it's like, mm. all right, done. I know what that looks like. Let's get yeah. back into it. So, yeah. yeah. So that's that's one of the things, Yummy, that like when I'm watching the boys, I'm really sort of looking to see whether or not they're, they're actioning the values that, you know, that we mm -hmm. kind of, I suppose, ascribe to. Um, and like, you know, win or lose, I'm just happy if they, if they do that. Yeah. Um, obviously, you feel happier if you win. But, you know, like <laughs> then if we lose but we go down, Sticking to our values, then I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm happy with that yeah. as the as the, as the team psych, yeah. What was an example of these? What was it? Actionable values, whatever they called. Mm -hmm. Ac um, actionable behavior, yeah. Actual yeah. behaviors. What what's an example of these values? Doesn't have to be one that you use, but like, just so everyone can wrap their head around what you're exactly talking about. Don't so do one we use, don't dox it. <laughs> <laughs> so. So like a value, right, is just a guiding principle for how you conduct yourself. But a value yeah. is just a concept unless you actually know how to action it. I mean, yeah. it's just a word, right? Like, you know, loyalty could be a value. And it's like, oh, yeah, loyalty, that's a value I like. But, you know, <laughs> how do I action loyalty? You know, like what do I actually do through my behavior to sort of demonstrate that I'm sticking to that value? So an actionable behavior is just something like a behavior that demonstrates the value that you're kind of, I suppose, trying to, trying to stick to. So actually, Amphis, why don't, why don't you give us an example, mate? I'm gonna throw the <laughs> throw this to you, dude. What's what's an actionable behaviour from one of our values? You can you can say one of the values, doesn't matter. Oh, I can't use one of ours because then about, people use it and then we start what losing. What, <laughs> what about what about camaraderie, right? So that's uh, one of our values. Easy. We, oh, we've lost Amphis. <laughs> now done. all the other teams are gonna get along. Oh, <laughs> I cannot believe it. <laughs> Uh, camaraderie um uh i know it just helps especially on game day when you all know that you're all on like the same page there's no pressure from like each of your teammates it just like lets you be a bit more free you're not scared to like bring up any issues in the team mm -hmm. and you can usually just talk them all out if everyone knows <laughs> about it yeah. and let, let's say like someone makes a mistake right which happens i mean all yeah. the time like it's just inevitable um you know like i suppose an unhelpful way to respond to that might be you know, either let's say a teammate getting stuck into one of their teammates or, or maybe maybe more commonly like, you know, not saying anything, you know, just going silent. So you're sitting with that, oh, I've just made a mistake and my mates, my teammates aren't saying anything, yeah. you know, like, and so we all know that I just made a mistake, right? <laughs> and we're all just, and then it's the next, and then it's the next play or whatever. So, you know, like, Amphis, what would you do in that sort of situation, mate? What if I made the mistake or no 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 if, if one of the if course or express made a mistake what would you what would you do would you go silent would you get into what would you do say um unlucky and then you just like encourage them and then try and move on as soon as possible just everyone makes mistakes and you just need to try and adapt and move wait on. you make mistakes Amphis? Oh, they're really rare young man. <laughs> <laughs> never never to, misses an opportunity to stroke his own ego to be honest yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I i left that wide open for you though hey, in terms of uh, other stuff is there anything else mentality wise that you guys work on in nerves i know torsos has always been like a 
I'll say passionate player. He's spent a lot of times being very nervous at Worlds, and he's been there so many times that he is 9,000 times better than he was. But is there stuff that you do to work on that, that the nerves and the pressure? Uh, I feel like it's different for everyone because, like, Torse plays the game, like, 12 hours a day leading <laughs> up to, like, a big tourney, and I just, like, could never do that. Yeah. Ever. If anything, I'd, like, my hours get a bit lower, like, the week leading mm -hmm. up to it. Uh, I don't know. It's just, like, you need to find what works for you. Yeah. Leading up to a tawny and feel comfortable with how you've led up to I, it. I had something like that because I'm a very nervous person myself. I get really, really, really nervous, like even for some of the dumbest stuff. And it's just something I'm used to now. Uh, and I get less nervous than yeah. I used to. You go back to my RLCS Season 3 Analyst Desk at Worlds and I almost break down. I almost don't get my first sentence out. Like it, you can see me. I actually stumble at the very beginning and then I bring it back. Um, and now that's fine, but I'm still, even for the first ESL event, the first ESL event, like I've done a million OC events, the first ESL event, I was nervous at the start of it. And now I go there and it's like, you know, day to day, it's, it's nothing. Um, but what I did when I played is I would never scrim or play Rocket League on the Saturday before the Sunday event, because oh. it was like... Well, if I'm not doing that, I'm not taking the game quite as seriously. I'm not putting yeah. all the effort on my entire life. Even if I'd literally spent 120 hours the past two weeks on the game, as long as I didn't spend mm. that Saturday on it, I was fine. Yeah. Um, so something that I like to add to this as well, and and you know, and, and this is always the case, right? Um, is a lot of confidence and stuff can come from like having just really good feedback and i mean like not just like oh you're doing great but having ongoing feedback i guess about your like your performance so for example i feel like so much confidence can come from you know really well done preparation so i mean you know it, it often feels like when a major comes around a lot of teams kind of do that last minute cramming oh. now we all know what that looks like we've all you know either you know finished high school, done their exams, maybe on emphasis, he'll be there soon. Or, you know, even in university, right, you always have those people that are just as calm as, uh, you know what, I, I know what's on the exam, I've been studying all all semester long, and you got that one person who's like, I spent the last three days cramming, and, you know, and, and you can sort of see the energy between them. Obviously, you know, it's not always, always a cookie-cutter fit right there. But um, I, I have quickly learned that, you know, when players have ongoing feedback, they're, they're confident with, you know, like how they're stacking up with, you know, their progress, the team's progress. It kind of gives you a little bit of an extra, like, I feel a bit of a safety net to be like, you know what, like now the only nerves I really have are just that pregame excitement. It's like, let's trust in the process. And I hear that a lot from like our boys in particular, right? We're just like, hey, like, you know, like, for example, when we went down to Fenrir, it was like water on a duck's back. Like, hey, like, we know how to beat these guys. This is fine. And then we pulled it back again and we didn't get reverse swept and we pulled through. Or even especially when uh, when we went down um, to Riot, you know, they took the first game. Uh, we just, we all got up. We just had a, a bit of a walk around. We just got a fresh air. We just had a hard reset. We're like, we know how to beat these guys. And it was just sort of like this mental switch that kind of flicks and you're back in the zone and you know and, and that's the sort of come about incidentally like some things you micromanage with nerves you know certain things work for certain players whatever it might be uh but eventually when you come to come as a team and you sort of work out you know um 
how it functions as, as a team, then then I feel like, you know, just as you said, it's like another day in the office. All right, now we know what yeah. to do. Our preparation's paying off here. I would say that having Jimmy there is 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 um, so so valuable. So like he, you know he acts like a real anchor for the for the boys as well, um, and so that's why I think you know having a coach you know uh, kind of around the place during um, during matches is just critical. I think you know like we've benefited so much from having Jimmy come on board um, partway through last year. So um, I mean t- I mean you, you tell us, Sam, because like how do you find having Jimmy there on on match day? Oh, no. like, you know, that kind of like. <laughs> Have yeah, I set you up here, Jim? <laughs> oh, he's going to say, oh, should I definitely? <laughs> At least for your mentality. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's usually like, I know back in Fury before we got Gemma, it's like between a game, like after you lose a game, it's just usually quiet for a minute. And then the second the game starts, that's the first time that you speak. Whereas like when you have Gemma, it's like a an extra, extra voice. He like gets you talking before the next game. How are we going to win the next one? Uh, yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. You're good, Gemma. Keep it up. <laughs> oh, thanks. Well, here's, You're so useful. You're so useful. Here's an interesting scenario, and I'll, I'll go to Daniel on this very briefly. What do you think is better? Do you think it's better to have not a bad coach, but a useless coach, somebody who just sits there and talks between games, or no coach whatsoever? Or oh, I've got a big opinion on this one. But yeah, go down. Can we can, actually? Can we go to Jimmy first? I'm keen. Oh, yeah. right, right, right. oh, I, right. I need to ever think about this. Yeah. So, um, something that I, I I've said because I've had a lot of people come up and ask me just like you know, hey, where can I find coaches? We want to get people involved, and I've just said, hey, you can actually train a coach in a way. Like you can actually be like, hey, this is sort of what we want as a team because really, professional players across all sports. They know, they have strong intuitions of where the development needs to go. None of them walk around thinking, I'm God, I'm the best, I'm just going to win everything. A lot of them know where their strengths and weaknesses are. Um, You know, maybe not all, but I'd say 90 plus percent do. Um, So anyway, I've always encouraged people to find coaches because I said, even if you have a coach who's in training, so they're not the best coach, in fact, maybe the advice they might give, you sort of take with a grain of salt, like most of it's a bit like, oh, that's a bit (laughs) interesting, right? I feel like just by having someone there, having that extra set of eyes, it creates a bit of a professional tone. So Amphis has told me before, and Amphis, I hate to bring this up, but we, <laughs> we, we got to. Um, Amphis goes, yeah, you know, it's a lot harder to troll in scrims than Jim is watching. I don't want to waste his time. That's a good point. So, uh, and, and you know, yeah. and for some dad's teams, around, yeah. yeah, and, and, and yeah, well, that's, what, that's what Dan said. Oh, so when dad's not there, what happens, boys? And or whatever it is. But, um, <laughs> But no, but seriously though, but like, but all, all, all jokes aside, uh, you know, it can bring that extra dimension of, of professionalism and it's like, well, we don't want to waste each other's time here. Like we're all here to, to, to win, um, you know, to find progress. And just by that presence alone, the tone can just change that little bit um, for the better. Obviously, there can be coaches who can tear down teams and yeah. those are quite common stories in Rocket League. But I, I think, um, you know, depending on the coach, even if their skills aren't at the probably the expected level, uh, sometimes the presence alone can make the difference, I feel. Yeah, I, I would sort of, um, yeah, so I, I agree with Jim. So I think as long as the coach is not doing harm, even if they're not doing any good, it's probably still better to have him there. If they were doing harm, obviously, well, then that's yeah. different. <laughs> yeah. But if they're, like if they're just, like if they're like just neutral, <laughs> then having them there probably 
overall has probably a greater net benefit than not having them there at all, I suppose. Yeah. And yeah. there's a lot of variables there, but yeah. Yeah, there well, is. Yeah. Well, I agree too. <laughs> like that, that, that's my, always my thought when people come to me um, and they're like laughing at somebody uh, on Gamers Ready or something as a coach. And I'm like, mate, if you got that guy as a coach, you'd get better. And, and people who come to me, like I do <laughs> like paid coaching, people come to me and I tell them like, you're literally going to get better by the fact that you're paying me. I could say nothing and you pay yeah. me $50 and you will be better as a team. And I could just go <laughs> off and, and do nothing because the, just the fact that they paid me yeah. means that they're investing themselves yeah. into Rocket totally. League. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a lot of crazy stuff around that. If you have a coach that you disagree with, I think that's good. I had Stormclawed when Big I was time. getting better and he was a good coach and he got me onto some really good mentality things. But on pitch stuff, half the time, I just I would just say to him, "No, we're not doing that. That's <laughs> yeah. incorrect. We were not yeah. going to play like that." Sometimes yeah. we would say, "Yeah, that makes sense, and that would be good." But the act of disagreeing with someone solidifies your opinion as a team as well. Just being able to oh, discuss, yeah. big time, and and yeah, like yeah. you know that that discourse that it can stimulate is huge, right? And I feel like there is sort of. I don't know how else to describe it, but there's sort of like a mental shift that you take. So, for, for example, most teams will form, I'd say pretty much every team will form without a coach. And it's actually quite a big decision for a team to go, you know what, let's bring in another resource. You know, we, we don't have all the answers. We can't just grind this thing. You know, like obviously you can and you're going to improve without a coach regardless most of the time if you're, if you're a newly formed team. But for a team to go, you know what, like, let's get that extra dimension in, let's get the extra set of eyes, you know, and it literally is another dimension because, you know, they're watching from a spectator's position and, uh, and it's great, you know, like I actually love it. So for example, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll say to the boys like, Hey, I actually don't know what we're talking about here. Do you mind showing me in a replay what that actually looks like? Because, you know, sometimes, you know, I might bring up ideas or a player might bring up ideas and, you know, whether we agree or not, that's not really important. It's more the, the discourse that is stimulated about where to go next. So, yeah, I, I'm certainly there with you on that one. Wait, Amphis, have you ever disagreed strongly with anything that Jim has said? Um, Hundreds of times. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then did you oh, call no, him mad and a kid have. and I'm when? I'm for an example. Oh, it's too many. <laughs> oh, I, I, don't, we, I actually can't think of any to be honest we definitely have done to, to be fair I, I hate Gemma yeah, well, to be fair, we, I, I am quite diplomatic like for example I'll be like yeah, hey you, you, yeah, you boys are the professionals here you guys know yeah guys are, you, you know this game better than I do right so a lot of the times we'll be like hey I, I might posture an idea and yeah. everyone's be like no, nah, that's silly. Cars don't flip like that. Like, okay, that's fine. You know what I mean? Well, let, let, well, how do they flip Amphis? Well, they do it like this and you'll tell us how it all works. And then we work it out. So, See, I'm uh, very yeah. confident in my knowledge, but I do the same thing. I let them take advantage. Like coaching's mm -hmm. easy. You don't actually have to know anything. You just, mm -hmm. you just pose things. And if they disagree, yeah. it's good. If they agree, yeah. it's good. We, we yeah. do the same thing in the psych sessions, don't we, Jimmy? Like uh, Amphis, like we... We, we have a conversation, but we don't necessarily always have, or I, I don't necessarily always have the answers, or Jimmy doesn't always have the answers to some of the questions that we pose in our sessions, but we, mm -hmm. through discussing it, you know, usually we come to a, you know, a helpful yeah. conclusion. So mm -hmm. I think it's a, it's a good process to go through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, when you think about it, like any professional sport, the coach isn't sitting there, you know, 
being like super technical on their form, right? Like, you know, like, so for example, if I was to coach, like, let's say a, a silver player, sure, I'm, I'm happy to sit there and be like, hey, you know, like triangle does ball cam, where you go champ, you know, that, that kind of thing. <laughs> But, um, you know, like, like you know, Roger Federer's coach is sitting there like, all right, here's how you hold your racket and here's how you line up a foot. No, no, not at all. So, you know, the, like, I think like a lot of us have the image of like a real top-down admin yeah. model. Like Dan and I are just like, this is how you rotate. you got a challenge here. you got to grab this boost here. And really, it's like, well, put it this way, Yummy. Like, imagine if I had that relationship with Torsos. <laughs> yeah. How could that fizzle out? All right, mate. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean if I just he would start respecting you, like, you right? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I just feel like, yeah, mate. Your boost pad runs different. I do it like this, you know. It would, um, <laughs> it, it never works. So you know, you what you work with the knowledge of of the players that you um you know to, that are in the team. To be fair, on Torsos, when I first coached him on Alpha Sydney. He was the player who would very actively listen to everything and anything I said. I was the expert. I could tell him something and he would do that. Yeah. Uh, I think our relationship evolved in multiple times that I coached him to a point where, like, more I was trashing him, I would point out issues that he had, you mm. know, and then he can deal with how to fix that. You uh, know what? To, to, to add more to that one, to be completely fair, uh, you know, to Tors, he, like, when he realizes like you know the value in certain things whether it's like you know team dynamics culture sleep whatever we're talking about right you know if if he can make the connections of like ah oh, like this literally translates to to winning like you know he 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 really is a person who will put his teammates first and you know and find that grind you know mm. contrary to, to maybe some popular belief out there but you know i could definitely see you know i've seen the receptiveness that he's brought in for oh. Yeah, he, I mean, he's fit into the team exceptionally well, I would say. Yeah. He's also Absolutely. got a good... Well, I, I guess one final question uh, for Amphis. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you, you and Torsos have specifically fit in quite well since his addition in terms of your passing plays, like air dribble passes. You guys seem to know where each other will end up with, a, a say, an air oh, dribble pass. Do you guys calm yeah. that or is it something that's come naturally or is it something you've developed? Uh, it's, it's both, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, when we were teaming with him, like, at the very start, it was really bad because, like, I've never teamed with someone that can get, like, 24 touches on the ball mm-hmm. in, like, <laughs> midair and I don't know how he does it sometimes. Yeah. But, yeah, when you, once you get used to it, you literally just wait on the ground, let him dribble past, like, the three players and then you get the open net. So, yeah, it's definitely been natural, but then there's a bit of comms in it, like yeah. one more, all that. Yeah. 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 Excellent. And he's pretty good at the game as well. Which yeah, that, that does good. help. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And, and then one final question for Daniel, since I don't really get you, or you, you got, you've never been on a chat show in the Rocket League community before. Um, so I wanted to know, and because you're mm. somewhat of a psych yourself, um, how does stress finances you know school exams that sort of stuff stress change or maybe affect people's performances on the weekend uh i mean i would say significantly i mean we did a research paper i mean there's there's heaps of research out there but specifically with esports one of the things that we found in a paper that we published recently um was that i mean players stress quite a lot about a whole variety of things. So we were working with some players uh, in South Korea and LCK, and obviously, you know, they've got a lot riding on their on their positions in the team. And they were thinking about a whole range of different things 
uh, leading up to to the competition, right? You know, like how well they're going to perform. What does that mean for their spot on the roster? Um, you know, the, the sort of interpersonal dynamics with the rest of the team. That would then have an impact on sleep. So, for example, about 50% of players that we've sort of included in our research so far have actually suggested to us that they sleep poorly the night before or before a match. Um, so purely from a sleep perspective, obviously, there's a, a really strong relationship between um, stress and sleep. So sleep is just very sensitive to the, to the effects of stress. Um, people can be very preoccupied on match day as well, the more stressed they are. Um, and things can spiral. So it's a bit of a domino effect. That's probably the best way that, I suppose, the best analogy I can sort of think of is that sort of one thing just leads to another. Um, and then within the, within the context of a team, um, it's like a multiple domino effect, you know. So you can affect your teammates. There can be a sort of, I suppose, reciprocal effect back to you, depending on how your teammate responds to you. Um, so I, th- I would say it's like quite pervasive, Um that's a very general kind of answer, but um, does that make sense? Yeah, and I, I kind yeah. of wonder, uh, can it go the opposite way? The more you focus on fixing your sleep and having better sleep, the less stressed you are, so the better you sleep? I would say the more confident you are in your sleep, the better you will sleep for sure. Yeah. yeah. So um, what you're saying is that every team and esports professional should get a sleep psychologist. Oh, I highly recommend it. At least a psychologist. I mean, sleep psychologists are, are a bit of a niche kind of uh, area within psychology. So <laughs> there aren't there aren't many around. But um, definitely, I mean, I would suggest to any team to get a psychologist um, as, a, as a starting point. And then, you know, a lot of sports psychs as well, you know, have knowledge about sleep, um, even if they're not specifically trained in behavioral sleep medicine. Um, but, yeah, if you can get your hands on a sleep psych, by all means, go for it. I think that's a good bombshell to end on. So <laughs> there we go. thank you, all three of you. Throw uh, that pebble on. Yeah, I love it. it.